You're listening to Freud's Angels, where we talk about where the science of the mind meets the spirit of the heart. Each week, we'll discuss ways to create awareness of yourself and your reaction to the world around you today, as well as healing events of the past. I'll be bringing in both traditional and non-traditional psychology concepts, and I'll be bringing the healing through the lens of our heart and how to heal what we discover creating a powerful connection between what our heart needs and what our mind thinks we want. Now we're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Vanessa. Now let's get into the show. Hi, angels. How are we doing today? So Vanessa and I were having one of our conversations um, and we thought that it would be probably a really great podcast. (laughs) Yeah. As per usual. I mean, I feel like our our pre-session sessions are always like oh (laughs) it's a lot of gold here (laughs) this is recorded that'd be great and and I especially like the idea that we would like we kind of just follow what's naturally coming to us um I feel like that is such a good flow of information that is it it, I don't know not that our our the ones that we that we pre-plan don't go that way but I just I don't know it feels a little bit more passion driven when we're in it already which we are in it right now (laughs) we are and we will continue to be in it for the rest of our lives because it's we're it's we're on episode 69 not that it matters anymore because we're just coming to you every week but um so let's start at the beginning where this all started (laughs) let's start at the top of the rabbit hole and let's go down let's take you down it friends, because it's a fun ride. Um, so, you know, we all know that I'm, I'm in this space of, you know, of like healing my body, healing my relationship with it. Part of it is healing my relationship with food. Um, and you know, I'm also diabetic. So it's, it's the idea of, all right, you know, it's like, I lost the sweetness of life somewhere, which is what, you know, which is the emotional reason for being a diabetic. So, and I know exactly when it happened too. I, I know it, it's just me. And I know that's how I manifest stuff, but um, I digress. But I, I was talking to Vanessa, how my angels are, are giving me straight talk today and last <laughs> night. They're like, kind of, they're in they're They're not doing it to be mean. They're doing it because they're neutral. They're doing it because they're just like, well, we figured, you know, and I had some issues getting a medicine that I usually take for my diabetes. And one of the, um, one of the things the angels were telling me this morning was that I was trying to think, what am I going to do if I can't get this med? And they're like, well, you know, what spikes your blood sugar. So shouldn't you avoid those foods? And they were kind of like, well, we would think that, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, because don't like logic right this moment thank you (laughs) not that's not the answer I was looking for thank you (laughs) but as ever my highest good neutrality universe brings it on so it's it's kind of funny and that's kind of where we started because you know we started talking about you know food and you know what is good food and and yeah and then we just continued on that, down that rabbit hole. And, yeah. um, 
And and one thing I, I really would like to kind of revisit, Vanessa, as you said, you were said you were listening to that book, Eat the Dirt. Eat dirt. What, what was that premise and what was that author like? What was it trying to do, like show you and explain? I really think it's important. Okay. Yeah. I, it, it was it was amazing. I did it on a road trip listening to it. Um, and it, it was around this, the time where I was understanding that my body was not responding very well to gluten and dairy, um, and that I needed to, you know, I needed to make some changes that there was inflammation in my body. And that was one of the books that was suggested. And essentially he's a doctor, um, like a, more of a holistic pr- practitioner. He, I mean, he is a medical doctor, but he, he, he does the, the holistic thing and, like his kind of main story, the main thing that he drags you in with is his mother's cancer journey and that she had cancer. And, and essentially, supposedly, I mean, I haven't done as much research as maybe I should before I say this. Um, <laughs> she was able to heal herself by nutrition, by changing the way that she eats, by change, you know, like by resetting her, her, gut microbiome so that she had less inflammation in her body, which we all know, you know, inflammation and our bodies attacking, it's, it's a perfect place for cancer to exist and grow. So, um, that was kind of the story that he dragged you in on, but it was more the, the whole premise of the book is just about being so mindful about what you eat about, um, you know, like he was even saying, you know, like there's so many nutrients in dirt. Like the reason why I was eat dirt is like, there's so many nutrients in there, in our ground that we wash away with the, with the, the, you know, say the carrot that you pulled up out of the ground. And then we peel off, we even peel off the outer layer that has some of those minerals and vitamins on it. And now we're further making that food less good for us. And there was a lot of other stuff in there that, and I, I am going to listen to it again, because that was a couple years ago. And I think I'll probably hear different things this time, but at that time, it was really just about the, the, the message that I got a lot was about the foods that I put in my body, creating inflammation and really messing up my gut. And our gut is very important to the whole rest of our body. If it is not okay, we are not okay. And, um, you know, the, the, the program that he talks about is, it's really difficult to follow, you know, of like bone broths and really mild foods and that kind of stuff. It's really hard to follow on your own. It's really, really extra hard to follow if you have a family that you cook for, you know, or a kid, because, you know, now you're essentially doubling up on the amount of meals that you're making a day and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's, is it Dr. Axe? Yes, Dr. Dr. Josh Axe. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great book, and and it kind of put me, <laughs> it kind of put me in in a in a bad place, but in a good place. I mean, I know that it changed me in some ways, but it it I remember the grocery store trip after that, and just kind of looking around and saying, everything here is poison. I feel like everything here is poison for my body because I'm listening, you know, I listened to what he was saying about like what we've done to our foods, what we, you know, what we've done to the ground, you know, like how, how far we've come from nourishing our bodies that, you know, this is where disease is coming from. Disease doesn't just exist because we're humans. Disease exists because we do things to our bodies that make, you know, that, that make them turn on themselves. 
you know? Um, so, it, I mean, that was the, kind of the beginning of the journey. And I, I can't say that I am a clean eater, but I'm a much more clean eater, but it's really, you know, it really made me think about how much we depend on everything that you can get at the grocery store, really, you know, how do you snack if you don't have chips or crackers or, you know, some of these things that are packaged, even if they say they're good for you, right? They still have the ability to sit on a shelf for a very long time. Have you ever made your own food? It does not sit on the shelf for a very long time. The bread that I make homemade cannot sit for a, a week, not even a week before it gets moldy because it's fresh and that's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> you know, so those kind of things, when you think about it, the manipulation of the food, it's not pure when we put it into our bodies, hardly ever, you know, um, and, and that, and that took us down another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> where Amy was talking about the growing of our food, which, which is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so silly. And I was just looking online to see if Dr. X's mom is still alive. And I think she is. Um, but I, I couldn't find definitive answers, but yeah, like I didn't really research it as I was telling the story. I was like, Oh God, <laughs> what and, if, <laughs> and, and, you know, and those of you who know me know I'm very anti-diet planned. Um, but I think books like these are good to listen to, to gather information and, and what is right to you will feel right in your body and what you don't need. You just leave. It's, it's about information gathering. It's about learning to understand our physical beings. It's not about finding the new diet and way to eat. And yeah, he has some recipes in it. I haven't listened to it yet, but I was looking at some of the recipes that are in it and it's not to say that, you know, yes, he may have the science, but your body may not react in the same way because your body chemistry is different. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have great gut health and maybe you don't need help, you know? Um, and, and as far as like, you know, and, and we're talking about gut health and before I get to the growing of our food, um, you know, we, we throw things at it. It's a very delicate system and it does a lot of work for us, but yet we throw acidic things down at like, you know, I get the whole lemon water thing in the, in the morning and preparing your body. But all I can think of is that lemon water, that warm lemon water, like uh, eroding the enamel on your teeth. And then, you know, and then what does it do to the body internally? You know, if, if you're a person who's naturally acidic, and you need more base or alkaline in your body, throwing lemon water into the mix is not going to help it. It never worked for me. It never, because my body isn't, it's not what it needed. It needed something different. Um, you know, it's, it's understanding what it, our gut health is. And like when we drink coffee, how that's highly acidic. And then you drink, you, if you're, if you drink alcohol, not that I'm saying don't drink alcohol, but because I love a good, you know, bubbly, but you know, what how much are you giving it you know it, it beer i mean that's that's just basic wheat it's hops it's it's just basic yeah. oh, you know it it causes 
high, you know, that's why we burp and belch after we drink it is because it reacts to our gut and it reacts to what's there. And it's creating these chemical reactions in your body and which creates that distended belly that most men get when they drink beer. Yeah, that's why we call it a beer belly. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to understand is that our bodies, while what we feed it is important. So if we're feeding it things that are highly acid, then we're killing off that, that gut bacteria that is looking to be fed by foods, whole foods, like raw foods, fruits, vegetables, things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I know enough about gut health to make me dangerous. That's about it. So yeah. Well, and even that, like, so what I had learned and I, I understood this about myself, but it, exactly what you're saying is true is like, you have to gather the information and then make it make sense for you. And this is with everything, right? Like, and I think that's, you know, we forget to be free thinkers that, that we have, we want to just follow something because it's easy, but our free thinking is actually what, what creates the best possible scenario. But I remember thinking in my head, raw foods, raw foods, raw foods, when you already have a gut problem, raw foods make it harder for like, so like, I love salad salad was harder for me to digest because of all of the inflammation. Yeah. Holy shit. You know, like I was like, this is so counterintuitive, right? When you think of what I've been taught, but when you learn the biology of it and you actually, you know, watch a video or something and you kind of get like what's happening when in your stomach and in your digestive system, when you put something in there, it's like, yeah, it's a bit rugged for a failing system to get through. That's why they say when you're resetting to use bland stuff and, you know, things that are easy to digest because you're really just trying to like build it back up. Right. But I wouldn't have ever thought that, you know, other than paying attention to all of the information that I had gathered and being like, okay, I see this. I understand that when this, when I'm repaired, this is going to be good for me. Like that will be what I'll go back to. But right now, because I'm so damaged, I need to care for the damaged system first. Yeah. It's, it's not like, it's like when you, when you have any type of surgery on any type of part of your body, like you don't go and go to the gym the day after to work out, to make it stronger. You give it time to heal. You give it tiny little doses of physical therapy that's not going to disrupt the system but that's going to begin to strengthen it and give it its ability to to be stronger and then when it's ready and when it's strong and you feel like oh this is good and it's healed then you introduce things that are healthy that are heavier that are you know it's it's like you don't just overload something that's already tender and inflamed with stuff that's going to make it worse well it's like the idea of you know, it's funny, we talk, we're talking about the, the, the biomes of our bodies. There is, um, Chobani makes a pre and probiotic yogurt drink that has both in it. And it's supposed to help feed the gut flora before you eat. And then, and then establish enough of the bacteria after, you know, that is there to help you digest it. And yogurt and I have a kind of a love hate relationship. Um, depending on where my gut health is, but I noticed that the more I used them, the less lactose type intolerance type of reaction I had to them. 
because it was like my body was like oh I got good shit coming in you know and I could eat things that that you know I normally would have a hard time uh, you know salad is like the worst thing for me like it will it will disrupt my my digestive system not the way that it's supposed to you know it will it will make it like inflamed and, and awful and not in a good way um but the more and more that I used to drink them, the more easier it was for me to digest things like carrots and things, hard fibrous things that my body was like, fuck this. I don't want it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just, uh, we have to, you know, get back to the science of it, you know, listening yeah. to what our body needs and wants, you know, is your gut inflamed? How, you know, how is, like, I hate to say it, but how is your poop? Like, you know, your poop tells a lot about how your gut likes. Is, and and so if it's not okay, then your gut's not okay. And, yeah, um, sure. but, and I, I'm like, even some healthy stuff like kombucha, love it. Because oh, I, I love it so much. The last time that I went on a kombucha binge, I was a mess because my body wasn't in a good place to receive it. And I just remember being like, as healthy as this is, my body is telling me we're not ready for it. And that's okay. Like that can be for some, you know, somebody else is going to thrive on that, you know? And, and like, I felt bad because like I had, I was making it myself and somebody had given me their, you know, one of their mothers, like it was this big, like community, like share (laughs) type thing. And I was like, sorry, I can't do this, you know? But yeah, I mean, so it's, it's so much about paying attention to our own bodies and what happens you know what do we need and it's a lot of trial and error the amount of money that I have spent on supplements and trying stuff and all of that kind of stuff it's it's been a lot but it's only been that way because I couldn't find uh, you know somebody who could really like connect with me the way that I needed to now you know like now it's a little bit easier because everybody's more accessible and you know, I can find somebody in, you know, freaking Colorado, if that's what I need, you know, if that's the person that can help me, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I mean, we, we don't learn about those prebiotic probiotics. What do we actually need? What are we having trouble processing for me now? I take a probiotic, a very strong pro- probiotic, but it's a woman's probiotic too, because of, you know, my flora is obviously different than a man's um, because of my parts. And I take digestive enzymes because that helps me reduce the inflammation from the foods that I put in my body. I don't put terrible foods in my body. I cook everything mostly myself. I don't use a lot of, yeah, I don't use, I use plant-based everything because I can't tolerate dairy. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much good that goes into my body, but I still have to take the enzymes because of the damage that's been done from, from the bad, Yeah, you know? And it's like, really, when you, when you really do this process and you see how long it takes you to get back to normal, (laughs) it's like, oh my God, like the guilt that I feel when I eat something like really bad for me. Cause I'm like, oh my God, I hope this isn't like going to be a setback because there's so, it takes so long. Our digestive system is always going. It's always going it's always on in one way or another so in order for us to heal it it's like you really have to take care of it all the time 24 7 and that means knowing what you're doing that irritates it 
and knowing what you're doing that's healing it. And that if you're like some probiotics that I would take would make, they would make me bloat unbelievably painful, like so bad. And I would be like, oh, you just got to wait it out because your body's getting used to it. No, <laughs> like you shouldn't spend 40 days in pain <laughs> because of a probiotic. It means that whatever's in that is not what your body is asking you for. Yeah. So trial and error is a natural part of all of this. You know, and I think that that's the thing that nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear that there's going to be trial and error and that you're so unique because of your body chemistry that not one thing that another person does is going to be your answer. Well, and you know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, in the body series, it's like me saying to them, you know, this is not an overnight process. It's not nothing, nothing that's permanent is ever going to be a quick fix. And so it's like, yes, I know when we read books like, you know, that book, uh, Healthy at Every Size, you know, we read all these books and we're, we want to just think that, oh, this is the, this is the answer. This is the answer I was looking for. You know how many books I've bought with that, that premise in mind and, and like, here I am like, you know, still not okay with it. Um, So I think, you know, I think we have to understand food and where it comes from and most people our generation and before understands it really well yeah they understand the degradation of the food you know if you go to certain places uh especially places where there's heavy indigenous um whether it's in mexico whether it's here um whether it's different states here you will find a person that has a grouping of mother seeds And what they are is they're the original seeds from the original plants that their ancestors grew. So these seeds are the purest of the pure. They will plant food, like they can plant food that is unadulterated by the process of what the government did. You know, it's, I was, (laughs) we were talking before, before even about food, about prohibition and I just watched a thing on Prime that had, um, it was about, it's the Poisoner's Handbook. And it was talking about how the government, because they, during prohibition, things that had alcohol in it, like medicine or different things that people would seek to get, to use for the alcohol, they would put highly toxic chemicals in it to prevent people from using it as alcohol. And, and, and But it didn't stop anybody and it didn't even knowing it it didn't stop anybody so the rate of death through prohibition was higher than the rate of death in the first great war so it was like unbelievable because people were distilling things from like wood and that make them go blind and you know and then you know one of the scientists one of the great scientists and god forbid i forget his name um went to the president and said Coolidge hey this shit's happening and he's like nope sorry like let it gas like that whole thing government's never had our back yeah it's 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 never it's never been for the good of the people and and that was really I I mean I knew they weren't now but I mean it was it was started even as early as like then um but and then we talk about okay well how did our food become toxic well back in the great war, you know, 
wheat, they needed wheat, you know, so they paid people to go farm out towards California in the, in the plains. They, they paid people that said, go farm wheat, we need it. And so what happened was a scientist created a genetic form of wheat that would grow faster so it could be harvested faster. And so then the degradation of the pureness of what we were eating began to decline. And then after the, after the war, all of a sudden we hit that depression and it was like, they were left with surpluses and, and, and the government was like, oh, we don't need it anymore. And so then farmers failed and they lost their land because they counted on that government money. And all of a sudden they were stuck holding bags of wheat and whatever that they couldn't sell. And so it was, they, that's, that's part of how the great, you know, I know it was a stock market, but that's how it contributed to it. All of a sudden, everybody lost money in some way. Um, and so then it became about mass production. You know, we headed into the era of, of, you know, the working mom, you know, how to make it quicker for the housewife. You know, how do you, how do you make something quicker? Canning things, making things last longer, but yet having to add preservatives so that it would last longer. Um, right. Like longer, longer too, because canning and all that kind of stuff has been around for so long, but it was the certain period of time. And then you consumed it over the winter when everything was dead and you started over again the next year. Not like how we have now where you can look at a can and it says, oh, this expires in 2024. And you're like, that's three fucking years from now. How? (laughs) Or, or, Or the surplus of food. When you find an old army bunker, it's there and it's still probably good to eat because it has so many preservatives in it. But, but it's, it's, you know, and then, and then you get the government in bed with like Dow chemical and, and DuPont and how they, they were using a pesticide that the government told the farmers, you have to use this because they were in bed with the government. And so, so you have to use this so that, so that Dow and DuPont get their cut of the action. Well then, but you can't apply it to your fields unless you're wearing a hazmat suit. Like that's okay because somebody's going to eat this and it's okay that, you know, you're safe and putting it on, but fucked if the person eats it, it's going to be okay. So, so it's like, and what that does to the soil too, right? which is like, so even when you were talking about the mother seeds, I was thinking, I don't even know that I would trust planting them in the ground because the the nutrients aren't there. So we're already going to screw up, you know, a perfectly good, you know, plant by not having the right nutrients in the soil because we've ruined the ground too right god and this rabbit hole is so hard i know (laughs) you know but on the light side of things there are people who are recognizing the degradation of soil who do who are actively trying to replenish the soil not over farm it really really look at the nutrients adding the things that the soil needs like worms and bugs and things that the soil needs in order to be nutrient there are people who are actively trying to repair some of their part of the earth which is fantastic um but at the same time you know it's like farmers need money and and farmer farming is like the thankless job like i i would never i i'm you know i'm so glad you know, my grandfather went out when he did i mean god love you grandpa but I wouldn't want him to go through 
the process of having to sell his farm because yeah. of the money isn't there because yeah. because the economy isn't there even offering milk to like the industry like he was able to do that before he died which was his dream and i'm glad yeah. he achieved his dream but i'm also glad he passed before his dream would have ended you yeah. know because you know he was a dairy farmer farmers just work four times harder than what their reward is Oh, absolutely. Always been that way. And it's not something I ever would want to do because it's just, you know, but when your family, you know, is stuck in it because that's what they did when they moved out West, they were farmers because, you know, you have land and that's what you do, but they were never educated about how to keep the soil from being nutrient depleted by rotating crops, by letting last year's land part of the land that you that you harvested leaving it alone for a year letting it recover and then going back a year later and then going and nobody was ever taught that kind of stuff and it wasn't until like you know the whole epa and 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 things like that happened where people started to realize what they were doing to the their land and i think most people cared but i think some of them were also in that loop of having to provide something for money and if they didn't provide it that year because they had to let half their field rest it was going to mean that they were going to go bankrupt or starve because they weren't going to get the money they needed to to live and so that's that's just how it kept going and how we keep depleting it is because the government started that cycle back in the great war but yet it never ended it never ended because they never gave farmers a way out yeah. And it's I mean, not to say that people don't love farming. Yes, people love it. It's in their blood. It's what their family yeah. do. I love a farm. I mean, are you kidding? I love a farm. But I also know that it's a thankless job and that, you know, and that there are a lot of us who are grateful, but at the same time, they're in bed with the government. And so what we screwed everything. I mean, it's 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 hard to have these conversations and yes. And feel like there's anything good about a capitalistic anything (laughs) because when everything that we talk about comes down to money it it hurts my heart it hurts my heart to think of that as I mean all of this is about money none of this is about the soil none of this is about the food none of this is about access for people to have fresh food none of this is about you know a farmer being able to just kind of do their normal thing and survive because you can't survive in a highly capitalist country on those old school ideas. Right. It used to be that way. There was a time period, you know, going way, way back where people could just live. You know, you had a house. And if you were the, the dairy farmer in the town, you know, you were the dairy farmer in the town and you didn't have to worry about making excess production and doing all this crazy stuff because you knew that you were going to get enough from what you had to do. You knew you were going to barter with other people or that you were going to be access. You're going to have access to food, but it wasn't, it's not as capitalistic as it is right now. The, it's always more for less that we end up in that cycle. You know, you, some of these farms, when you look at them, you're like, there's, no way that people shouldn't be able to live off of what they're producing there's no way that people shouldn't even be able to like take a break (laughs) and live you know that's really fucked up (laughs) the idea of that really I mean but it's that creation of 
need and that creation of supply and demand that sometimes is an illusion you know supply and demand we have we have way more supply than demand we always have and always will but because of the capitalist part of it things go horribly wrong grocery stores throw away food all the time that means that there's not a lack of supply right and that right there tells everybody everything that you need to know (laughs) and that tells the farmers are working too hard because their shit's getting thrown away too so on top of that the supply that they're being forced to create is unnecessary well and this and it sucks because you know you're given you know grocery stores are given that 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 they are not allowed to give the food to the community, to the homeless, because I think it'll, it'll, you know, people wait, you know, until they, they, it's given away for free. You know what I mean? They, they have that sense, that culture, but it's like, dude, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, that homeless guy down the street that is like emaciated would probably really love that apple. You know, it would probably really love that banana. It's like, I just, and not only that we could stand to have less big name grocery stores. Yeah. Half of the money that we spend on the groceries in there goes to the building and goes to the CEO and goes like, it's unnecessary anyway, the amount of money that those things cost. So the idea that we have to f- force people to buy things here. Like, I forget who it was. Somebody that I was listening to recently, I don't remember who it was, was, was essentially kind of saying that whole thing is that there's plenty of everything for everybody. There is no lack anywhere. The, but the reality being that we've allowed our society to become this way. So there's an illusion of lack. And there's a lot of control of that mindset in order to keep that capitalism going. And we just keep doing it every single day. We just keep following in those. Th- I mean, I do it. I know I do it. Yeah, we all do. Because you know? <laughs> I have, we've grown so dependent. Our dependency on these systems that, have, that are really not, not working for us. Right. We've been trained to believe that they are. We've been trained to believe that our convenience is the most important or or whatever it is, you know, like there's a lot of programming that has gone on that is, it's killing us. You know, our disease comes from this disease doesn't just float through the air naturally. (laughs) We create it and then pass it along. (laughs) So so, you know, we didn't really, ex- I don't know that we, we expected for this to take this downward spiral into capitalism and our issues with it, but let's get back to the food. Um, Sorry. Yeah, it's so hard to talk about <laughs> money being the reason why we can't live healthy. It makes me crazy. It does. I know. 
crazy. And I get it because I'm the same way. Because I, I just, you, we go down these rabbit holes and we're just, we end up at the weirdest places, but it's really interesting. Yeah. But if we get back to the idea of the genetically modified wheat that we were all eating about the time of the war, about the time just before the depression and even after it, even now it's continued on because that's what they do. They modify the seeds in order to get them to grow faster, to grow bigger, to grow, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, ugh. but what happened was, is it degradates the pureness of what we're eating. So all of a sudden gluten intolerance became a thing. Uh-huh. I mean, we didn't know it was, it was more, it became a thing. And I think like more in the nineties and, and early two thousands, because it, it was like kind of all of a sudden, like everybody started talking about it. Cause I think social media, you know, um, but it was always there, but I think, you know, that our bodies are, we're, you know, we're used to getting that pure form of wheat through the flour, through bread, through whatever we ate it. And all of a sudden we're getting this modified laboratory modified, which isn't bad, but in the sense of it, you get too far away from the original version of what it was. And then when you do that, your body is like, I don't know what to do with this shit. I've never, I've not been taught. This is not, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> Attack it because yeah. it's wrong. <laughs> yes. And that's why our body get inflamed. That's why we have gluten intolerance is because your body doesn't know what it is. So our immune system is like, evacuate this shit ain't food and, and it gets yep. mad. So, so when we talk about, you know, how, things evolved and our food has evolved. I mean, most of the fruit and the vegetables that we eat, they come from countries and they're picked before they're finished getting the nutrients from the bush tree plant that they're, that they're picked from. Like they all come unripened. That's why bananas are freaking green. It's like, they shouldn't be that level of green. They, when they're the best, they should have had time on its little like thing in order to ripen just enough before you cut it down and let it ripen the rest of the way. Like right. it, it's like fruit. It's like, you ever get a tomato? That's like, Oh, it's just not a tomato. That's, yep. that's cardboard. It's because it's just, it's flavor is gone. The minute you cut it from its plant. Right. right. And it, I mean, and it, cause their, their stems are essentially their umbilical cords. That's where they're getting all of their everything from. And right. we don't, we don't take the babies out until the babies are done. <laughs> like it would be like having a baby born way prematurely and it it's going to need to incubate for a while and even then we don't know that is there complications from it being born prematurely because it didn't have time to finish quote unquote ripening yes. <laughs> the mommy's love belly. it, love it. You know? <laughs> yep <laughs> So we have to consider, that's why when like summer rolls around and I was saying to Vanessa, I said, you know, there's nothing any better than a freaking tomato off of a tomato plant out of a garden of someone who just grows them in their back garden. I mean, like the taste of it is like heaven. It's, it's just, it's a real tomato taste. Whereas the stuff that you get from the supermarket, you're like, meh, that's yeah. not tomatoes. That's just gooey. Very watery tasting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah, I notice the big difference every year when we start to harvest our garden and I'm like, you know, because most of the year I'm not eating things from the garden. So it's like when I'm eating it from the garden, I'm like, this is so much different than what we've been eating yeah. all this time. 
holy shit cucumbers the flavor of a cucumber yeah it's not water most of the cucumbers that you get from the grocery store taste like water (laughs) maybe a little bit of something but they're very watery but one eat them from the grocery store yeah i don't want them i don't i don't i there's no value yeah yeah it's crazy it's i mean it really is crazy to think about that and that's you know that's 100 percent true that we are not again like where we've become so conditioned to to do things a certain way you know i was saying you know my example being like we love avocados in this house we eat avocado almost every day those avocados are coming from all over the place for them to get here and be okay because we all know an avocado is ripening process and we're like you basically should watch it on the counter because if you miss it it's shit like it's gone you've lost it exactly so it's like cool this one came from guatemala and it's somehow not ripe yet. <laughs> like, what does that mean? What is going to be missing? And you, you, you can taste it. You know, you can taste it in those. But, you know, it's like, well, I don't have an avocado tree in my backyard. So this is what I'm going to do because I've been conditioned to do this. Access yeah. has created this within me yeah. where I want what I want. And so I am willing to accept the consequences that come with eating something that is not local in season yeah yep which i think which i think you know what which i also think you know and we talked about this is like you know we we're so used to having food certain foods all the time that we tend to um just eat when we want to but yet we were talking about like back in the day, like when, when moms didn't have to work or, you know, when they were just home carers that they had time to garden, they had time to, you know, to go in and, and, and do whatever with the gardens themselves. And, you know, they had time to can and they had, but you ate what was available. So like in the winter time, in the fall time, you ate your gourds, you ate your pumpkins, you ate the things that were still okay because of the fact that it's the season for them. And you had your canned veggies and and something, but even then, even then, I think there's like a very big molecular change that happens to a canned vegetable, like string beans or tomatoes, that your body understands that it's a different season. Yeah. I think our bodies are just in some ways, very attuned to the seasons of the year and when we're supposed to be eating things. And like, because that's why I think we get, we get like, there's times I'm like, I want butternut squash soup. I I don't care for it in soup form, but I really want it in a soup. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? But it's because it's that time of year. It's, you know, I love butternut squash. Don't get me wrong, but yeah like it's that time of year, like your body naturally steps into that space of wanting the foods that are best in flavor this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree hundred percent because it's the way it, it, it's like the, the, the way it is, right? Like we are adaptable. We're, our bodies are very adaptable. I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing that is true. Like we, we joke about it when you move to a different area of the, of, you know, of the, 
country or whatever, or the world even, that you kind of adjust to whatever the climate is there. Um, Same thing with foods, you know, like there was, think about when before the transport of food became what it is today. If you lived in New England, you didn't know what a friggin' papaya tasted like. Because there ain't no such thing as a papaya in New England. Those weren't growing there because it's a tropical fruit, you know? And so the people in tropical countries were eating papayas, probably because that's what their body, you know, like it's probably the best thing for your body in that area. You know, like things are grown (laughs) where they're grown for a reason. (laughs) And our bodies are going to adjust to where we live for a reason but we confuse that whole process by you know that that access being year-round but we still like that example that you just gave I think is like that that like ancient us coming through right of like some of it being up here but a lot of it being our body right like fall hits and we may say something out loud like "Ooh, it's soup weather but it's not you, it's about what kind of soups you're looking for, what kind of like nutrition that you're looking for. And it's really like, yeah, like what came first? Did we, you know, harvest and get used to, or did we like, you know, just kind of live off of what was there and that's how it became to be a fall food, you right. know, like. Right. And I hate to tell all of my friends that pumpkin spice lattes were not an indigenous food to our forefathers. Yeah, well, and also <laughs> there's no pumpkin in pumpkin spice. It's literally called pumpkin spice because it's the spices that you use in pumpkin pie. <laughs> so therefore they are warm spices for autumn. <laughs> but <laughs> although I did have a recipe that uses that you can make your own latte and you actually use pumpkin in it. And it's really amazing. And I'm like, I'm going to try that because Mm -hmm. I love me some pumpkin. Pumpkin is great for you guys. Yeah. And it tastes tastes a lot different with the pumpkins. I made like a smoothie with it once. It tastes a lot different with a pumpkin. I think it tastes better because it's earthier. Yeah. Like I think it just has like that, I don't know, dense earthiness of it. But yeah, you can make pumpkin spice anything because it's literally like the spices of pumpkin. Nutmeg, clove, and cinnamon, and like nutmeg, yeah, like yeah, (laughs) ginger. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it's so funny, and those things all go together. Why? Because they're season like that's those are good warm warm seasons. You know, warming spices, warming spices. Yeah, there we go. I'm like, I can't spit it out. (laughs) But Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there is so much that we don't learn, right? Like. How, the age that we're at or the age that we were when we started to think about this kind of stuff is like to me a tragic a travesty like we should not have to be or I should not have to be in my 40s and really be learning about foods and about what they really do and it's not to say that there wasn't some weak ass attempt in high school because there was <laughs> but it should be all the time. It shouldn't be one class that you take in high school. It should be continuous education in the home, in the school, everywhere, because this is important. We're, we need, if we want to stop disease, pharmaceuticals isn't where it's at. 
Yeah. It's root cause. And we are the root cause <laughs> of all this disease. <laughs> I remember when I first was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis that um, the wellness center that I was going to at the time for chiropractic care said to me, well, I can send you to this lady. And she says, and you can, she will, you know, you can eat your way back to health. And basically, or you can go route by the pharmaceuticals. Well, at that time, pharmaceuticals were necessary, but um, I never went to the lady because um, she, she never referred me, but she, she's a, she was a person who taught you how to live a raw diet, like a raw diet, no cooking, no veggie cooking, no, like everything raw. And, um, and at the time that was something that was the cure-all for most diseases was eating a raw diet. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, it's not true. It probably is true. It probably does help a lot of people, uh, you know, but you can't tell someone who's in such chronic pain that they can't move that <laughs> now I'm going to add, you give you the actual like suffrages of, of you have no job now, but you have to go buy fruits and veg. Yeah. Cause that's all you can eat. No, right. not going to work that way. <laughs> right. But um, it's just, but they it's, all have no problem. I mean, and, and, that's the thing is like, even with, you know, psychology that this is what, if somebody comes to me and they're like unable to focus on what we're talking about, I will absolutely be like, okay, meds to stabilize. Absolutely. If you can't focus on this, if you can't be in a mental space, space where you can do this work, a pharmaceutical is going to help you. But yeah. the goal is not to create dependence on the pharmaceutical. We still need to get to the root because if we don't, you're just going to mask over and over. Like that's all you're going to do. And that's what pharmaceuticals has done to us is that instead of allowing it to stabilize us so that we can do that work to get at the root cause, which they just create dependency and, yeah. and that, that idea that, okay, well now that you're on this medicine, you'll be on it forever. Yeah. And it's like, maybe in some cases, but I really believe that it's very few cases that if we were really able to do this work and, and people could financially support it. Cause like what you're saying is absolutely true. Some of this stuff is like kind of an expensive process when you go through the, the food change, but we could eliminate a lot of the dependency on pharmaceutical for people's entire lifetimes. Yep. If we could use it the way that it should be used, I believe as a stabilizer to get people to a good spot where they can take forward action, no matter what the reason for the pharmaceutical is, and then really get at the root of it. Yeah. Like, how did this happen to your body? It doesn't just happen. Nothing just happens to our bodies. We do everything to our bodies. Well, it was, it was, you know, when I, when I went into the doctor and well, I'm grateful for him. And, and the first doctor I had, I, I also kind of pissed at him too. Um, so I went into this, my first RA doctor, like I was like, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know. My body was just so inflamed. I couldn't get up. I couldn't stand. I couldn't move. I, I everything just fucking hurt. And I was just like, oh my God, like what is happening? Well, so with everything, you know, they start you on the least toxic drug and, and whatever, whatever. And he, you know, he said to me, he said, just so you know, 
I, you know, I, I won't send you for any type of surgeries until you're at least 40. Because at that time, the longevity of joint replacements was not that long. And I said, just so you know, <laughs> I said, my intention is not to stay on these fucking drugs and to figure out what my issue is and to not have this. And he's like, that'll never happen. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, I've never seen it happen in my life. And I've been in this, in, I've been this, I've been in this, in this for 40 plus years. And I've never seen anyone go off of any of their RA meds and, and whatever. Okay. So I'm like, whatever. So by then I'm just, I feel defeated in every avenue. Um, I thankfully did not go down the route of increasing my steroidal drugs because that's where you get into the problems is when you use too many steroids. Um, and I, I was at like half of a five milligram for a little while because it helped me get moving every day and, and I needed it. But then I decided I didn't want it. I wasn't on it for very long, which was good. The meds, we just kept finding the next toxic medicine. And it wasn't until I met my doctor in Arizona that he explained to me, he said, you have, there's different forms of rheumatoid arthritis, never knew this. And he's like, and there's different levels of severity. He says, you have what's called seropositive arthritis. He says, it is the highest, most severe form of arthritis. He says, it attacks your joints first and it is quick because when I was in Pennsylvania, doctor, I forget his name even. And then I went to Dr. Brooks, something. And my second rheumatologist at Hershey Med Center, because I had moved from town to town and I wanted to go to Hershey Med because it was teaching school. It was the, it was the shit, you know, it yeah. still is, but it was the best hospital to go to. And she, she met me and she's like, holy shit. She's like, oh my God. She's like, I've never seen this before in my life. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, that's encouraging. Yeah. I'm like, okay, thanks. And she finally dialed me in to the drug that ended up for long-term helped me. And it was a once, once a week shot or once a month shot. It was great. Cause I don't do well with pill medicine. Yeah. I can stick myself and I'm good. You know, it's whatever. So and I, and I got off the drug that they had me on called methotrexate, which by the way, uh, methotrexate is, is used to help enhance the, 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 the ability of RA medicines to work. However, it's side effects to cause cancer. They gave me methotrexate when I had an ectopic pregnancy. Oh my God. They gave me two doses of it because the first one didn't work. And then when I got pregnant a month after that, I was immediately high risk. And I was like, well, what's that about? And they were like, oh, well, we don't know how long the methotrexate stayed in your body and it could cause birth defects. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why would you not tell a person who is currently pregnant with an, even with an ectopic pregnancy, we're about to give you a drug that is very toxic for your body. And we don't know when it's going to exit your body so that I could make precaution, so I could take precautions Right. like extra above and beyond yeah and not get pregnant you just said it and i got like flashbacks sorry Didn't flashbacks mean yeah i was like <laughs> drug sucks <laughs> so every time i took it because you're supposed to take it each week i would get sick yeah mm -hmm. i would literally vomit get sick and so i said my body is saying no 
my body is saying no. And so I told my, my rheumatologist, I said, look, I, I love, I, I care. I'm glad my body's saying, no, I'm off this drug. I, you cannot make me take it. I'm done. I've done the pill form. I've done the shot form. We've yeah. hit <laughs> the doses. We've done everything we can to make it work. My body still says no. Anyways, I'm in a rabbit hole, but I'm talking about drugs and how, you know, and, and oh, whatever. And this is, this is what happens. Right? We're talking about disease. It makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. So I got to Arizona. He finally diagnosed me with the correct RA. Thankfully, Dr. Brooks, she did, I don't think that's her name, but that's whatever. She did, she near immediately sent me to an orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed in two, August of 2007. I started seeing um, Dr. Dr. Banks, that's it. It was not Brooks, it was Banks. Dr. Banks in the end of 2008, because I didn't start working again until the end of 2008. I was in bed that entire year. And so she sent me in 2009 to see Dr. Rab for my hips. Mm -hmm. I had my first surgery in 2011. And I put it off as long as I possibly could. I did PT. I did all the things that we're supposed to do, you know, make sure whatever I did, the injections, the steroidal injections, I did everything. So, and I was, well, 2011, I was 34 when I had my first surgery. So like, I completely miss that 40 year old mark, you know? So if I was still with my first doctor, I never would have been able to. So, okay. Fast forward done the work. I'm not only doing the work of taking the meds and whatever for rheumatoid arthritis. I'm doing my work. I'm doing my spiritual work. I'm doing my emotional work. I'm in therapy. I'm dealing with the reasons why I manifested this, this disease because I did. And in 2000 and I moved in what, 2020, 2021. So early, late, 2010, early 2020, my lab work came back that I was in remission, which I have the type of RA that doesn't go in remission, but I, from the work that I did, put it in remission. He was like, it's a drug induced remission. You don't want to go off your drugs. He says, because you could come back with a huge flare. I don't want that to happen because it could create more damage than what it's supposed to. I got it. I understood So I stayed on the meds and I was like, okay, I get here in 2021 in February, there's no rheumatology care available till the end of the year. My first rheumatology appointment is in December. Oh my God. (laughs) Because there's such a saturation of autoimmune issues here that the rheumatology doctors in, in Portland and Vancouver are so full. My first available appointment was in December. Oh my God. So February 10th of 2021, I had my last infusion and my infusions last for two months. So in April of 2021, I should have had my next infusion. I have not had an infusion since February of 2021. I have not had any of my medicines I have not had any rheumatology care whatsoever. I don't know what my blood looks like right now. I have no idea, but I'm not flaring. Mm-hmm. I don't have the chronic symptoms that it comes with. I don't have whatever. 
yeah. lot of that is through the work that I've done, the yep. healing work, the, the therapy, the whatever. I don't know what my blood work looks like. Maybe I'm a little elevated. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm fine. But I know that because of the work that I've done, because I am never going to be that long-term medicine taker for disease created by me and the food I eat, I'm, I'm never going to be that person. And so I'm always looking at how do I heal this in order to get off these meds? Amen. I am never going to be that long-term. I'm going to take these meds forever because I don't believe that I need to. Right. Now for some people, fine. I'm not saying that, that that's wrong in any way, but what I'm saying is for me, because I know that I manifested this shit, I can heal it too. I can change it. Right. So when I'm talking about, you know, when I think about the diabetes and stuff, like when back to my original opening statement about how the angels were like, well, you know what food spikes your sugars. So why are you eating them? It was like, it led me, it's making me understand that my choices is going to be what dictates, you know, movement will lower my blood sugar, like taking a walk after dinner, like, you know, or just any type of movement's going to lower my blood sugar and make me healthier. And knowing that, okay, I know that these things spike my sugars. How can I eat them not together? but sparingly, because I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not restricting myself in a sense of, I'm not going to not eat the things I enjoy, but I can eat them smarter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can eat things smarter. Like I know that, okay. So if I eat protein with things, it doesn't spike it so high, you know, it's making choices of getting, you know, Zevia soda isn't as good, isn't good for you, but it's better than Coke. Right. And I want Coke in a big way, but I will drink this soda and it satisfies my need for bubbles yeah. and, 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 you know, and it satisfies my, that, that need for soda. Right. And, well, and it's all journey, right? Yeah. It's all journey that where you are right now with these changes is not even where you're going to be in six months. Cause everything changes as we change and who knows what it'll look like. But when you're, when you're committed to that path, it feels like you can always know that it's going to be better, that it's like, I'm on the journey and I will like exactly what you're saying. I will make it a lifestyle change. I will make it be responsive to my body rather than responsive to what somebody else is saying. I am going to make those choices that, that feel right for me as, as they come, you know, and, and I love the idea. And of course we are not medical professionals. We're not telling people what to do, you know, medically, but we are telling you that these experiences exist. And that's where, you know, like Dr. Axe's book and where all the other books, like it's literally sharing of information. Please know that there are different things going on in this world than what you may have heard from your medical doctor. right? That's the, that's why people are, you know, tell their story. That's what storytelling is about is so that you can get information to make better decisions about yourself, to make informed decisions about you. So while we're not saying this is what you have to do, we want to inspire hope for you to say, Hey, let me explore what it would be like if I didn't 
need to take this medicine every day. Is that possible for me? Just building in that hope. It may not be possible. It may be. I mean, I really believe that we, there's so much possibility when you have the right person in your corner that a hundred percent. I mean, I went, I went to a gastro doctor right around the same time at all. I mean, I, I ended up doing my own research. It's really what happened, which they tell you not to do, but it saved my life probably. But I had gone to a gastro doctor because I knew something was wrong. I went to an allergist because I knew something was wrong. I didn't get any answers. I got a lot of snark. I got a lot of, I don't know what I'm talking about because I am not a doctor. And it was like, it is my body. I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know enough. I'm coming to you for more information. That's why I'm here. I need you to give me information on how this happened to me because I didn't study the freaking body, obviously, <laughs> or I would be in your seat. I'm coming here so you can tell me how the body works. Those parts of the system. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on in there. Tell me how it works. Tell me when I eat my food, what happens to it after it comes off my delicious taste bud experience. Like, Tell me. And this dude didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And he pushed a medicine at me that he said, it'll help empty your stomach faster. All I could hear was diarrhea, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I was going through like an IBS situation. And I had been for a long time. I, it doesn't happen to me now unless I eat gluten or dairy. It took me years to figure out that that was the issue. I could have been on that medication and eating whatever I want and flaming the shit out of my body and just thinking that my body needs that medication. That's what's wrong with me. Like, no, what's wrong with you is you're putting shit inside your body that it does not want. It cannot handle. Stop doing it. And you'll stop having the symptoms. And that's what happened. <laughs> it was so simple. And I thought, how many other people go into that office and take the medicine and yeah. believe that that's their problem and it's not their problem? It makes me sad because yes, you miss out on certain stuff, but at the same time, what at what cost, right? Now you're putting another toxic, another thing in your body that is likely toxic because it's there to handle your symptom. It's not there to handle. It's not, it's not fixing your problem. It's fixing your symptom. Right. And I want to always be fixing the problem. How did this happen? I want to stop the thing from happening so that I don't have to manage the thing happening. <laughs> and, and, you know, and for those, I get it when you're in the situation and it's severe and you just want relief for a minute from something I get going pharmaceutical. Because sometimes in order, I didn't, I wasn't able to get to that part of my life where I was able to heal it without using the pharmaceuticals to get there. Yep. We, when you're in a space where you're like, I want to heal this, but right now I want to be able to exist in my world and, and, and not feel the pain. And so understand is that we're, we're so, we get it. We get it when you're like, I needed the drug. I needed the drug. Maybe that's because you can't afford to eat a gluten-free diet. Maybe mm -hmm. gluten is because you can only afford the dollar bread with the peanut yeah. butter and the jelly and the, and the, you know, or the lunch meat. Maybe that's where you're at right now. So it's, we get it, but we want to encourage all of you to not take that as the end result. Like, as the permanent answer, go seek yourself. First of all, talk to your bo body and how you feel. 
and what it is you're trying to solve what what is it you know if we talk about you know feeling of you know gut health guts where you store your emotions are you suppressing them are you do you have some anger or hot emotion or some turmoil that you're not expressing go about it about emotional and mental go talk to a therapist maybe you'll find out that oh my gosh I'm not ever expressing my true feelings because I'm afraid that no one will care or no one will listen or whatever that is, you know, because I know that when I'm having a gut day, if, if I'm having a, a, you know, a constipated day, what rigidity am I holding on to? Where am I, where are my thoughts? Are they, are they really rigid? Are they hard thoughts or are they easy thoughts? Are they welcoming thoughts? Are, are my, is my thought process has lately been, with compassion and empathy and openness or has it been this is the way it must be and this is the way it is and and that rigidity because i know when that happens my body reacts to that so whenever something shifts in my body and there's something not okay i immediately go to where am i emotionally where am i mentally and and can i help my body by solving that energy first then let's see okay what food am i feeding it so there's a hundred different ways to go about your diseases, your illnesses, whatever that is. And whether it's, and I encourage you to explore that. And if anybody ever wants, like just without going to a healer, without going to someone to help you through it, even though I, I highly suggest it because there's some cellular memory, there's some birth trauma in, in the gut or anything like, or you have heart issues you know, a broken heart, you want to heal that. For me, it's, it's, it's harsh self-criticism with the, with the RA. It's, it's the idea of losing the sweetness of life is the diabetic, you know, and I know because I was chronically angry for like six months and that's how I manifested this diabetes. Trust me. I knew exactly when I did it. Um, if you get the book by Louise Hay that says, heal your body A to Z, it is probably one of my biggest tools ever, ever. Like when, when my certain parts of my body's hurting, what is it? My ankles hurt a lot. Where am I not allowing joy into my life? Where am I not allowing happiness? Am I rejecting it again? You know? So I encourage you guys to just explore. We, we encourage you to explore different avenues of healing our bodies and you, you know, find your path. If you need the meds to get you the bandwidth to explore the past, fine. If you're like, fuck that, I ain't doing that right off the gate, excellent. But, <laughs> you know, whatever your choice is, just know that you're doing the best you can. And we understand that. I, I know Vanessa does, but I especially understand that because there was a moment in time where I could just, just doing the best I could to exist in the world without wanting to just die. And so when you know, when we're in these spaces, I know it's hard to hear people say you can heal it, but you have to do all these things. I understand. Cause I had that choice by my wellness chiropractor. But at that moment, I knew that I needed the relief from the pain I was feeling because it was too much. Yeah. And, and it was also very emotional to, to feel that I couldn't be as strong and as motivated as I, I had been. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot more to it. So I encourage you to, we encourage you to explore that and what that is for you. And, 
And how does food play a role in that? Um, we, we've been all over the place today. <laughs> we have been all over the place today. I mean, it's definitely like a health related to food podcast, which I think, I mean, I really think that that, but we were all over the place because there are so many places to go in this realm of our lives that we could probably do another seven podcasts about it because there is so much information that isn't given so much information that we've had to mine ourselves (laughs) so that we could heal parts of our bodies or put ourselves on the journeys to, to, to heal parts of our bodies. And when it's like any other thing, when you start that and you start to see results and you start to feel the, it's almost like injustice. Sometimes (laughs) you want to share. And that's what you're hearing today is like us wanting to share the, the data that we've mined through learning and through paying attention to our bodies and experiencing what I guess, I mean, you could say are miracles, right? Like we would hear that story of being, uh, you know, all of a sudden your RA is in, in remission. We would call that a miracle, but you know, because you did the work that the miracle was <laughs> your decision to make a path that makes sense for you and your body, not to constantly listen to people who are not inside of your body, to take their information and kick it around and bounce it off what you're experiencing inside your body with real intent and real, you know, honing in on all of those things so that you could get into that space. And that's what we're really encouraging people to do is to really just understand that this process, everything that we ever do on this earth is ours. And if we give the power away to other people, we lose the ability to remember that it is ours. Your body is yours. Nobody else can experience anything in life the same way that you do. They can be right next to you experiencing the same event. Your body's going to respond differently because that's just how it is. It's that way with food. It's that way with medicine. It's (laughs) It's all you. So when you feel hopeless, when you feel like the end is, is, dark always going to be that way the hope of listening to all of this kind of stuff is wow there's a ton of information out there that may help me make this journey better that's really (laughs) the good stuff right there that's what had to happen to me of hearing from a friend hey I do this because my doctor sucked for that to go into my head Okay, I'm going to go look for some more information then. I'm going to try some things. I'm going to do some experience with myself and see what happens. Yeah. It matters that we keep that power ultimately with ourselves. And remember, remember, if it's necessary for you to have doctor care, you have the right to change your doctor. Yes. Have the right to choose. I was blessed with Dr. Who, I, he was the doctor that accepted everything about who I was. And it, it helps that he comes from, you know, a, an Asian family because they, you know how they are. They're, yep. they're all into everything, you know, you like, here's an herb and you're like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he's like, so what have you been doing? And I'm like, oh, I've been doing energy work and, and working with the angels to help heal the RA. He's like, oh, he's like, well, whatever you're doing, you need to keep doing it because it's working. And I'm like, okay. So 
like you can't not telling you that you're wrong for your for your actual experience right like no that's not what happened yeah no my body dude it did that doesn't work you know that doesn't that stuff is fake that stuff doesn't work it's because of this you know so (laughs) you have a right to find a new doctor if that doctor isn't in alignment with what you want your path to be or they can't explain how the paths can intertwine Mm -hmm. for you to get to your end goal if they can't help create a plan like that you have every right to find a new doctor don't this is your hard-earned money first of all i and doctors are going to make you think that they're the only ones in the world that will understand you to prevent you from going to another doctor but you have every right at seeking different care right absolutely that is your god-given right Mm -hmm. and the fact that you have health card or if you don't, you know, whatever that is, you still have a right to go find the care that you deserve. Right. And keep that, keep that horizon open yeah. because I didn't, it took a very long time for me to understand that the medical field didn't have all the answers. I thought that they had all the answers that the medical doctor was the only one because of the letters behind his name. And then <laughs> You run into an herbalist here and there. You run into a yoga practitioner here and there. And you're like, oh my gosh, this has nothing to do with my medical doctor and everything to do with my body's changing. Okay. There's more to it. There's the medical is important. You need that. You need, we need that, but don't believe that that's the be all end all. There's so much more out there that is possible and it's worth a try. Not too many things can really hurt us. You know, if we're doing it with intent, we're being honest. If you want to do some yoga and you've got some restrictions, you know, you get to talk to that person and say, Hey, here's a problem I have. What are, what are some things I can actually do without hurting myself? You know, go find herbs. Here's, here's something that I'm allergic to. What kind of things should I stay away from herbally that could create the same interaction? Yeah. You know, well, and you know, there's always adaptations. I mean, it's like, I am a firm believer, like with the RA and, and my body and my joints and stuff and not being able to do a lot of the poses or get on the floor easy, um, chair yoga. I mean, like there's always going to be ways and adaptations for everybody in, in the spaces that welcome total change and total healing. Yes. There's always going to be that space. Yes. So so it's a game changer. I think. I think it is <laughs> inclusivity, and it's and it's also you know and if you're a person who's of size and you've been that's that's like the medical reason they that's the thing they keep telling you to do and it'll solve itself is to lose weight. You can tell them to shove their ableism up their asses because that's not okay. And I've had that type of care and I don't think it's okay. And it angers me and it angers it when I see in other people and you can just tell them, look, you're looking at me and you're judging me based on my size, not based on what's in front of you or my medical need. And you're, it's a form of malpractice. And you have the right to question them and said, I thought you, you know, you signed a code of ethics to do no harm and you're harming me right now because you're not willing to look past my size. Confront them, be very blunt and be very honest because I've seen it happen. So be empowered, 
take care, take care of yourself, take control of your care in the ways that you can. And if you need either of us to help or assist, we're here for you. We hope that you, you bet. we're obviously very fired up. Yes, about it. So we will hear. Yes. yes, we will hear and listen and encourage all forms of everything because that's yeah. what we yeah, obviously <laughs> it's heard. <laughs> so we love you. We hope you've mined many different nuggets of information out of today. And just know that you can do whatever you want to do, you can do it. And just always remember that it takes time, but you can do it. So we love you and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on Freud's Angels. We are thankful for each of you opening up your heart to us. To continue the healing, connect with us on Instagram at Freud's underscore angels and on Facebook at Freud's Angels. Please subscribe to the show so that we may help you continue your journey. And remember to give us some love in the review section. If anything we've talked about today has triggered an emotional or mental crisis, please call 911 or head to the nearest emergency center. And always remember you are loved. You are worthy and the world needs your light.